0: RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Yesterday morning, Monday morning on Reality Check Radio, you heard Brian Tamaki on this program explaining events over the weekend. An umbrella kind of party has come together to bring the smaller freedom parties together. There's been a lot of talk about fragmentation of small parties, egos preventing people getting together, etc., etc. Well, that hurdle seems to have been jumped over in the weekend. And we're going to follow that uh, chat with Brian Tamaki up this morning by talking to Sue Gray, who's the co-leader of that party that was announced over the weekend, or that coming together. Sue, welcome back to Reality Check Radio.
1: Thanks, Paul. It's my pleasure to be back.
0: Yeah, good to hear your voice again. Okay, so let's get it you know, verbatim. What is the name of this party, the actual name?
1: The, the umbrella party is Freedoms New Zealand.
0: Right. Okay, and it sounded to me and others like it was an exercise in sort of herding cats together. Is that fair?
1: It's been a long, difficult process. I mean, we've been recognising the need for unity for, well, since before the last election. We had meetings with some of the parties then talking unity, but for whatever reason, it always seems to fall apart. Uh, We we did pretty well, I thought, during the Tauranga by-election last year. And there were three different freedom parties involved. And actually, Brian Tamaki and his Freedom and Rights Coalition stepped up to try and help the freedom voters understand better who the freedom parties were and and to try and encourage some unity there. And so ever since then, we've been talking on and off to see what we could do for this election.
0: Okay, so you're the co-leader. Brian Tamaki is a controversial uh, identity in New Zealand, and we don't need to go into the whys and wherefores, but I think it's fair to say with a lot of people that they kind of stand off, stand offish when it comes to Brian Tamaki. So you've obviously figured out that you can work with him, being a co-leader. What are your impressions of Brian Tamaki? Given that you are a, you know, you're a hard-burned lawyer, all those sorts of things, you've been fighting the fight, so you've, you know, you've come across probably every angle of this. How would you describe Brian?
1: Yeah, I've met Brian quite a few times over the last year or two and I actually find Brian really good to work with. Uh, he's a lot easier to work with than some of the other leaders of some of the other small parties. There's no question about it. He's very, very clear about what we need to do. He's very reasonable about how we're going to do it and he's really motivated to make it happen. So what more can the Freedom Community ask for from, from our perspective? And, you know, I became the co-leader We made no demands about leadership at all because we're still keeping the integrity of the Outdoor and Freedom Party. But Brian, when we talked about possibilities, Brian could see that actually it's not all about him. It's all about the people. And what better way to represent diverse people than to have two leaders with different skills, different life experiences, different backgrounds who represent different groups, but who can show that they can work together.
0: You've got to be marketable, though, don't you, to the voter base of New Zealand, and Brian, and maybe even you, carry perceived baggage, would that be fair to say?
1: Look, there's been a lot of effort by the current government and by the, what do we call them, the the government-funded media to direct the messaging the way they want it to go the funny thing was I was like such a goody goody all my life you know I was a goody goody at school I was the top student in science the top student in law I worked for the big law firm I did all the really kind of cool stuff I could get a job wherever I wanted a job until I started challenging the government. And then all of a sudden, my career path took a really different direction. So I still think I'm the same person. I don't think I'm controversial at all. What I think has happened is the the public has been given a good kick sideways by a government that actually isn't representing or isn't too interested in the law or the people
0: yeah, but in saying that that is that is a big hurdle to overcome out there in MSM land, isn't it? it? It's a biggie.
1: It is a big hurdle in mainstream media land, but there's that really interesting report from from just a while ago that I think it was well over half of the public, I think forty percent were actively not listening to mainstream media anymore because they knew that they weren't being given an honest information. And so the voters who support us are probably not terribly interested in what the mainstream media try and tell them. It, it's really, we're interested in the thinking voters, the people that go out and make their own inquiries, that ask the questions, that get out and come and meet us and talk to us. And those, the people that meet us seem to enjoy what we stand for.
0: You must have had a lot of incoming feedback on what happened over the weekend in the short time between then and and now us chatting what's what's that been like
1: the great majority has been hugely supportive there have been a few people that have questioned what us working with Brian and, and with Freedom's NZ, but when they understand that this is really a strategic move, we've done it because we all understand that unity is what required. And the 5% threshold is super difficult to get. The only realistic way we can get a 5% is by people working together. And so We agree on the things that we agree on. I mean, that the the Freedoms New Zealand policies are the things that we've all been talking about for the last few years anyway. But we all keep our integrity to disagree on the other issues. And we can still stand for our traditional outdoors and freedom issues. They can stand for their traditional issues. It's the way we see it and the way people are starting to realise it's actually a win-win. It's the hold hold our hands, get through the hurdles that we need to get through. They've got amazing infrastructure. They've got amazing ability to organise meetings. We've got a great relationship with a lot of the experts in New Zealand and around the world. We've got a lot of great policy people. Between us, it's an awesome combination.
0: I don't want to fixate on Brian, but um, there was, um, in some of the media coverage, questions thrown at him like, uh, you know, do you still believe gay marriage causes earthquakes and uh, d- does pornography cause floods? I mean, those are going to come thick and fast, aren't they? They're going to try and paint it as a, some kind of weirdo nutter. Again, how do you get around that? Or do you think New Zealanders are in a position now, or in a state of mind that really they can bat those things off because there's a bigger picture? What do you think?
1: Well, there's definitely a bigger picture, and if you look at the alternative, we've got 120 elected representatives who don't seem to understand democracy, that not a single one of them would come out and talk to us when we went to Parliament, not a single one of them will meet us, I've done so many Official Information Act requests to get information, nobody wants to give an honest answer, they stall, they redact information, um, we've just seen this rubbish with David Seymour basically abusing somebody who was asking him a question, saying his, his views didn't matter. None of them understand. So whether people like Brian or not is really irrelevant. Can he add to the future democracy of New Zealand or not? And does it matter what Brian thinks about different things? Does it matter what he says at meetings? If his heart's in the right place and he's, he's leading a movement where there's a good team of people around him, we're all working together to achieve to, to achieve the future of New Zealand that's been serially removed from us over the last few years. Anyone can do better than what the last lot have done. And actually my experience with Brian is that he's, he's done a lot of really good work already. He's actually got runs on the board, And he's prepared to stand out there and take the hits when many, many others weren't.
0: Okay, the big question is, can you get over that threshold? Now, in talking with Brian, I know he was riffing a bit and you always shoot for the moon. He was talking, you know, at upper level 20%. Five is the threshold. I think that's 150,000 votes. You're dealing with quite a, a disparate group that's come together here. And people have got to have faith that, uh, you know, if they're going to vote for this uh, party, that it will mean something. So, and the downside of that, sorry, I just finished that. The downside of that is fragmenting the, let's say, the the right of centre, right vote to the point where the result is a continuation of what we have now, which it seems a lot of people don't want. So that's obviously a risk.
1: Yeah, look, we know we can get 5% because I got 5% in the Tauranga by-election. I'd only lived in Tauranga for a couple of months and our team got together and we we got excluded from all of the meetings. We got very little media coverage and I still got 5%. So the Freedom Community recognises the opportunity. There's no question at all about that. And if we could do it in Tauranga, there's absolutely no reason why we can't do it everywhere else. And that was me standing as... As the candidate for Tauranga from the Outdoors and Freedom Party, but with the Freedom and Rights Coalition Network organising some of the best meetings that, that we had in Tauranga, and people working together, so we we already know we can do it. That that's not a question. The problem we've had in the past is getting the forum to get our information out to the people. And you know, last election there was there were no meetings because of all the COVID restrictions there was no mainstream media that was prepared to talk to any of us and the social media was hugely censored. We actually did a submission to Parliament after the election about the censoring of Facebook. They banned us and they banned our advertising just before the election. So, you know, we've learned a lot in the last three years about how to overcome all those hurdles.
0: Is there a plan, because you've got to think ahead, that if you're not going to quite get there the voter base that you do generate or the the support base that you do generate can go somewhere. Look,
1: we haven't thought about that because we believe that we'll get there. I don't think there's any question at all that the freedom community, we've been polling our people. We've been talking to our people for a long time. We've in a, in a community that's been so divided deliberately by government and actively discriminated against the, the natural instinct is to want unity and People have been so clear that they want unity. We're doing what the people said that they wanted. There is no better option than the people that have been walking the walk for the last three or four years, standing up against the tyranny that we've had. So the the alternative is for more people to join us. And we've already got some of the other parties talking to us, wanting to see whether they can be involved as well. So really, the option is to do what we do and keep doing it better.
0: You've got uh, democracy and Zed Matt King out there who's getting a bit of cut through again who's that- hey. <laughs> okay but um but that's that fragmentation thing that that sort of breaks it up and and takes away the block of right of center if you want to put a label on it and risks for many again the continuation of this government that a lot of people don't want to see here anymore,
1: yeah look. If anybody's been looking at the issues, they won't want any of the existing parties. The the challenge is not us competing against other freedom voices. The challenge is the 120 MPs from the globalist government parties who don't understand what democracy is, and in some cases actively shame their own MPs who dare to go out and speak to the people. I'm talking here the National Party with Maureen Pugh and um, one of their other MPs, at least, where they actually did try and engage and they got hammered by their own leader. That is not, whether it's National or Labour, Chris or Chris, it makes no difference the 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 answer is to vote different. If we want different, we need to vote different, and not just a little bit different. We need to vote really different, and and bring in a whole new bunch of people. I mean, wouldn't it be great if, if we're we're in there with our twenty percent? Matt King might be in there with some of his MPs. We've, we, if we have a whole team of new people in there, wouldn't that be great?
0: If it could happen, this is the thing. Again, not being you know overly negative here, but just being real the mainstream media still, whether people have lost faith in it or not to whatever level, is still the main communicator of information in the country. And they are not going to give you an easy ride. I can tell you now.
1: No, we know that. But we we factor that into our thinking, which is why we're out on the streets talking to people. It's why we've been to meetings all around the country. It's why we make submissions. And, you know, we we've got a huge social media following. We've got huge networks and we've got a huge motivation to change what we've got. I mean, it's really ultimately comes to the people of New Zealand. If they want more of the same, well, then they're going to vote for more of the same. But if they actually want to put their vote where their mouths and their complaints have been, this is the chance for them to do something different. And if you look at the wisdom and the diversity of the people that are on offer to stand up and represent the public and people that actually do know about representing others. People I've represented people in court um, through the Outdoors and Freedom Party. We've represented large numbers of people in all sorts of different situations. We understand what's required to represent others. It's not about what we think. It's about what the people think, and that's what we're there for. We're there to listen and learn and and work out good solutions that work for everybody. So if people want to change, this is the best opportunity they've got. They did it in the Netherlands where they voted in the farmers. There's all sorts of new groups that have been coming up in in different countries. So this is not a a harebrained crazy idea. This is something that people around the world are demanding and acting on.
0: Okay, so this is the last bit I'll say about this because here's a, a text that came in today and I just share it with you because I think it sums it up. Uh, they say we're very concerned that freedoms nz and the other minor parties are going to split the vote for the right yet again resulting in another labor coalition government and this texter here says brian is dreaming if he thinks he can get over the threshold realistically all the minor minor parties are and uh, goes on to say I appreciate a lot of good work brian's done in the community and for standing up for rights and freedoms but We, that's RCR, has to push these leaders hard on this point so that listeners move out of, and here's the punchline, hopium space and into reality. That's what your average, well, RCR listener is saying.
1: Well, it's great that you're asking the question, you're putting it out there, but hopium is hoping that any of the current globalist-run parties are going to change if a different one of them gets elected. That is that is insanity, keep doing the same thing over and over again, hoping for the best that something's going to change. If we're going to make the system work for us, we're going to have to use it differently. We've spent a huge amount of time talking to as many different groups as we can and working on how we can come within the electoral rules, but bring together options for a a new solution. We've, We've done what the people asked us to do we have prepared to go and explain what we're doing, answer questions, do everything we can do. But ultimately, it does come down to the public. And if the public want different, they've got to vote different and get past this old mentality. You know, I had at the last by-election on handing out brochures and a lady said to me, I don't need a brochure, I always vote for national. That's the kind of mentality that we've got a problem with. Another lady said to me, oh, thank you, dear. Now, who's the man that you're handing the brochure out for? You know, this is this is the mentality of the voters, but within that, there's also a lot of extremely well-informed voters who have been following the issues really, really carefully. If they talk to all of their networks, if all of our networks explain to each other why why things need to change, how they can change, what the options are, that's the difference. That's how we're really going to make a big difference.
0: Let's say you're over the 5%. Uh, how, how much higher than that? Who knows? But let's say you get over 5%. You're going to have to work with or form some sort of coalition, I would imagine, with one of the established parties. And That'll be on the table. Can you do that?
1: We can work with anybody. I, I mean, as a lawyer, I work with a range of clients that, on all sorts of different issues. Sometimes I agree with them, sometimes I don't agree with them, but my job is to find the common ground, to put their best case forward and make it work. So we we can do it. What we want to do is to get some fresh new ideas on the table, some new solutions that actually work for New Zealand, that work for the people of New Zealand, that reclaim our rights and freedoms, that have been just eroded so badly over the last few years and actually start to get the conversations going that we've been told that we're not allowed to talk about like how can it work in a democracy that the government tell us what we can talk about and what we can't talk about it's all back to front inside out so just by being there just by offering a person who will receive a controversial petition, a person who will ask the hard questions in Parliament that nobody's asking, so that we're actually inside the building that belongs to the people of New Zealand. And if people come to talk to us, we'll actually go and talk to them. We'll go and listen to them. There's so many things that we can do to change the behaviour of the others. And if one person does it, then the onus is on the rest of them to show that they are going to follow what's required for democracy as well. So it doesn't take too much for the for the whole mood to change if somebody's prepared to step up front and lead by example. So, you know, haven't exactly answered your question. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to be voting for globalist policies. I'm not going to be voting for loss of freedom of speech. But if any party's got a good policy that's good for the people of New Zealand, then absolutely we'll support it.
0: So would it be a coalition, or would you consider that? Uh, I think Brian indicated, you know, um, supply might be an option, just sitting mm-hmm. there and, and voting on on that basis rather than being part of a coalition. But it's going to be awkward, isn't it? Because the people that you'll be dealing with are the ones that you're not very happy with. You, but gr- well, we're all a bit grumpy with.
1: Yeah, but that's life, isn't it? And you watch them jump over. The rats jump the ship pretty fast when they see the ship is sinking. You know, polit- most of the career politicians are, are there for their own reasons. Um, but, you know, if, if they get elected back in again, then we respect that they're there representing the people. And if we're there with them, we'll work with them. But we'll work with them always with the objective in mind of, what's good for the people of New Zealand? What are the policies of the Freedoms New Zealand? What are the policies of the Outdoors and Freedom Party? And how can we best deliver the things that we really, really do need to reclaim back for New Zealand?
0: I'm speaking with Freedoms New Zealand co-leader Sue Gray on Reality Check Radio. What do you think could happen if, I don't know, Labour Coalition stays in or even National and Act and whoever else, when um will there be much difference and is this country at that point kind of lost in your your mind
1: yeah i mean one of the easy options would be to buy a one-way ticket and and just go and live on the beach somewhere nice in in a nice warm country and say look new zealand we tried good luck go sort it out yourselves but you know I love this country, my kids were born here, I want to be able to live here, and I'm prepared to stand up and fight for it in my way, and do the best I can do to help make it as good as we can possibly make it. So, you know, whatever happens, I've learned that there's always hope, there's always an opportunity somewhere, sometimes it looks pretty grim. But if you keep looking, you keep talking to the right people, you keep pushing boundaries, you'll find an opportunity. And so let's let's use it this year in election year to make the biggest change we can possibly change so that we can all live here, we can all be proud of New Zealand, we can enjoy. What it is about New Zealand that we love? We can enjoy getting out to our beaches and our great outdoors. We can enjoy some music, some laughter, some fun. Some of the things that they took away from us over the last few years, and so we can all get our hope back. That's yeah, what we, we're here for.
0: We have to make it in the world as well, and that's you know that comes down to the sort of the daily grind of policies, you know, exporting, making money, um, creating jobs, etc. What sort of range of policies will you be coming out with? Is it the big picture or is it more focused on the things that are wrong at the moment?
1: No, look, our our policy is people before globalists. So our very first starting point is what is good for the people of New Zealand? And And at the moment, our policies in New Zealand are really distorted because of the multinational lobbyists who sponsor the parties and and misdirect the policies away from what's good to the people to what's good to them. Look how many billions of dollars have been spent on an experimental injection that actually was a complete dead loss. So so I mean, what people don't understand is in my law career, I've worked for a lot of amazing New Zealand businesses, some of the top businessmen in New Zealand. I've given them advice on, on health issues, farming issues, fishing issues, all sorts of issues. And when you're a lawyer, it's pretty amazing. You get to deal with the very, very top experts, the specialists. You get free access to whoever you need to talk to, to get to test out ideas and to work out how things can happen. So So although I've been painted in a certain box, if you actually look back on my career, I've got an incredibly powerful, strong history of working with people to find solutions on a whole range of topics. And, you know, the, the, the finest wool growers in the world who sold their wool for thousands of dollars a kilo by direct selling it to Europe and by coming up with with unique brands and all sorts of products, um, the, in the fishing industry, the people that direct sold again. there's so many better ways of doing things than the same old, same old way that happens in New Zealand. We've got this kind of, it's worse than the tall poppy syndrome. They actively knock the guys that have got a bit of initiative and try and do something different. You know, the old dinosaur wool board, it, it's, it's got a terrible history and yet, we do have so many amazing, innovative people that do know how to make money. They do know how to run something novel. They do know how to create opportunities. They've got their heart in the right place. We just have to give these people
0: a chance. Will there be some place people can go? I presume it'll be a website or something like that, or on your social media, where they can see, you know, concrete policies laid out in the different areas so they can you know understand that it's it's more than just a well a protest vote yeah yeah well,
1: look, we we set up many of our policies even before COVID, and our policies are all about localism about um body sovereignty so let's let people decide what we put in our body it's not for somebody else um clean water, access to the outdoors. So www.outdoorsparty.co.nz is our outdoors party policy. Um, there's a website, I'm not sure if it's up yet, for freedoms nz, which sets out our, our shared policies. But our policies are all about making the great outdoors of New Zealand great for everybody and and helping communities grow strong together and and creating the sort of lifestyles that that. New Zealand is well known for we used to be not well known for that that seem to be slip sliding away from us so it's all positive I mean the people that have it's suited them to paint us as a protest vote and we certainly do protest against the globalist takeover of New Zealand the tyrannical removal of our freedom of speech of course we protest against that but we've got way more positive visions for New Zealand than that
0: what about cleaning up the mess of the last three years? There's a lot of people, and I, I'm one included, I've got to say, that really think you can't get away with doing that to people and not have anything happen, that there not be any accountability. Now, that's another awkward situation because you could be dealing with people who are in, that, in the crosshairs for that. So, so how will that work? Or don't we go there?
1: Oh, no, I think that where there's been unfair treatment, we need to let people share their stories and we need to have some accountability and we need to learn from our mistakes so they don't keep happening again. Well, well,
0: for example, Sue, um, politicians, well, uh, health managers, the Director General, not accepting exemptions that have resulted in people going further and ending up with a bad situation. Don't need to go into the weeds of that. People know what I mean. I mean, you know, there has to be, There has to be some accounting for that, doesn't there?
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. One of our board members, Ali Cook, has got a petition before Parliament at the moment with over 24,000 signatures asking for a commission of inquiry into the vax injuries. um, Because the government's own inquiry is very carefully being drafted not to cover any of the things that we actually really want covered. So we've already started actively on that. We're working on a people's inquiry. Uh, When we're elected, the people's inquiry can perhaps become an official government inquiry. But in the meantime, if they won't do what we want, we'll we'll do our own people's inquiry because we do need to get these stories out there. We're working with some of the amazing documentary makers who have already made documentaries or are about to produce new documentaries summing up some of the awful things that have happened over the past. But there's so many horror stories. You know, my best friend can't go to hospital and get an urgent heart operation because Waikato Hospital doesn't have enough ICU beds. Why don't they have enough ICU beds? Because they fired a whole lot of their nurses who weren't vaccinated. Why don't they let their nurses back? Why don't they apologise and invite them all back with open arms and say, look, we completely accept that it was wrong to fire you, it was contrary to your Bill of Rights, it was bad for our hospital, it was bad for our patients, it was bad for New Zealand, please, please, please come and work for us again. That could be fixed in five minutes.
0: Yeah, there could be a big call for compensation over many people, a lot of money.
1: Yeah, and it's a, it's a big problem because... Almost everybody's being treated badly in one way or another. And we're basically compensating each other unless we can show fraud by somebody from overseas or, you know, um, where, where does the money all come from? Would we and- get
0: to see that contract suit?
1: We've been, I've been asking for that contract for well over a year. I think about a year and a half now. The Ombudsman's been sitting on it. We've seen the overseas versions. We know that clause 5.5 in at least the Chilean and some of the other versions is. Pfizer saying that we are unable to provide assurance that our vaccine is safe in the long term because we haven't done the testing on it yet, and so we we know uh, we need your indemnity for against any prosecution for that. Or words to that effect. So they know that it's not safe. They know it doesn't meet the criteria. They know they haven't done the testing and yet our government for reasons known only to the Prime Minister's spin team um, told us, lied to us that it was safe and effective. So You know, there's a lot of problems there that need to be uncovered. We've been uncovering them slowly, slowly, slowly with Official Information Act requests and court proceedings. We can uncover them way faster on the inside because then we can ask written questions and get answers within five days and oral questions and we can get answers on the day so you know if there's even one person in parliament asking the hard questions none of this would have happened over the last 3 years they wouldn't if there was one competent member of parliament they would not have got away with what they got away with sadly there hasn't been even one
0: um to get beyond this and a lot of people want to get beyond it i know that but they don't want it just to slip under the under the mat or drift away is there some process like truth and reconciliation type process that could get us through that. I mean, there has to be something, doesn't there?
1: Yeah, look, there has to be. And I think we've got so many wise people in New Zealand. There's so much information. The problem we've had is nowhere, no one to tell because the system's been designed that there's no one that you can trust to go to, to tell them the information and expect to get any kind of useful answer. So one of the things that we definitely would need to do is to beef up, the Ombudsman's office so that people that have got a complaint against government have actually got somewhere to go that's affordable, that's fast, and that they get an effective resolution. Instead of trying to close down all lines of communication, let's let's shine the spotlight on these things and let's open them up and let's find some good solutions so that we can all reclaim our our lives and our control over our lives and actually move on a positive way
0: forward. And when again? That's the other thing, anyway, um, yeah. as a country. Okay, so October's not that far away. There's a lot to do. So what are we going to see from Freedom NZ between now and then? How's the? Do you think the campaigning will go? You're obviously, you're going to have to get around the country. Uh, you must have a, a media strategy ready to go. I'm not asking you to divulge it or anything, but what can we expect to see at the sort of like the, the public level as you go through your campaigning?
1: So there's already a schedule of meetings. Um, we're in Napier. We're in uh, Palmerston North on Wednesday night and we're in Whanganui on Thursday night. We're up in um, North Auckland, I think it is, on Thursday. Uh, there today and then each week there's a series of meetings in different towns around New Zealand running right through from now until mid-July and then there's going to be another series of meetings again we'll go around again we'll see even more towns the second time around so there's going to be an opportunity for people to actually come and talk to us unlike some of the other parties who have said that they're scared to have public meetings we're not scared of the public we're there for the public we want to hear from the public we want to listen to the public learn from the public we want to hear what your problems are so that we can work with you to find solutions and the more we can talk the better we're here we're on emails we don't have any funded staff in the outdoors and freedom party we're all volunteers Um, So we're trying to do a day job as well and do what we can do. So we don't always get back immediately, but we certainly really try hard to do what we can do to help. And with the whole freedoms NZ network, we've now got a much bigger team. So one way or another, if you've got something to tell us, please tell us and we'll do everything we can do to respond to it.
0: None of this comes cheap usually. So are you able to, to fund this without sort of running out of gas?
1: Well... Probably not, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I I live on an absolutely minimal budget and I do everything I can do because I really believe in what I'm doing. And I've in the past managed to, if I've got to go and do a court case somewhere, I try and have a public meeting while I'm there. On the political side, I try and match up things as much as I can. So, but there's always ways and means of doing things and there's amazing public spirit. You know, what we saw in Wellington in the protest, what we saw with the Baby W case, what we've seen with a whole lot of the other issues that I've worked on, what we saw in the Tauranga by-election is when people want something enough, there's always the public energy that comes together and the people that we need will be there and will work out a way of doing what we need to do. So, So that's how I've always operated
0: has there ever been or will there ever be an election like this in our history i can't think of of anything quite like it especially with the number of participating parties now
1: yeah the last election was a pretty wild journey i only just got involved in politics a, a year or so before the last election and I'd never struck anything like it. I didn't know that people were so rude to each other and treated each other so badly. I really had no idea that that would be like that. But I realised that people are hurting, they're frightened, they're desperate, and they want to vent where they can vent because they've been sitting home alone often afraid um and and so you know this is an opportunity for people to come and be part of something like rather than sitting home moaning why don't you come and be part of the solution come and join in help how you can if it's a case of you know helping set chairs out before a public meeting you'll come and meet some nice people you can have a chat afterwards you know the meetings that we've had in the past you, we're off almost always full halls um, you know, we schedule it for a couple of hours and people just want to stay afterwards for hours talking because they're so happy to meet like minds. So, you know, everything is a positive when you when you want it to be and, and we can make it work. We have to make it work. The system we've got at the moment isn't working. The challenge we've got is to find solutions out of the, the chaos that we've been left with. But, you know, I'm positive. We live in a beautiful country. We've got so many wonderful people. We just have to give people a bit of hope and inspiration. And everything can turn around.
0: What, like a miracle?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm a big believer in miracles, but miracles that we create ourselves. You know, I used to do marathon running, and the hardest thing always was putting your shoes on and getting out of the door. Once you're out of the door, the magic happens.
0: Well, it is a bit of a marathon. This one isn't
1: it? Yeah, I don't know. I th- I'm it's sure every election. Yeah, it's de- it's definitely takes a lot of stamina and determination. And you know, I keep thinking, I'll oh, we'll just get through this round of crazy meetings and things, and and have a bit of a breather. But there's never that many opportunities for breathers. But it always it works how it needs to work. It, it's a relay, you know. People can take turns. They yeah, can relay, step up. Yeah. They can support each other. It's great.
0: All right. Well, thanks for coming on and telling us about um, or or following up on on us chatting with Brian uh, yesterday on RCR and we'll be watching really carefully and I'm sure we'll talk again. Good luck with your public meetings that you have coming up in the near time. And uh, I'll be and I'm sure our listeners will be fascinated to see the coverage from mainstream media and how they sort of frame all this.
1: Yeah, well, thanks, Paul. And hey, look, it's awesome having you guys here because having an independent voice just makes an enormous difference. And, you know, it's often just one conversation that gets shared, and other people start thinking the conversation we did last week certainly being shared wide and far and making a difference. And that's all it takes that amazing ripple
0: effect. Okay, good to talk again. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.